All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and ask everyone to return back to their seats. It's good to see everyone fellowshipping, talking, laughing. It's a good sign in the church. It's better than being sad, right? All right, well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the New Testament, Luke chapter 9, the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. We're starting a new series today called Kingdom Mindsets, Kingdom Mindsets, and so we're going to dig into this. And uh, all the way up until around Thanksgiving, so about three or four, about four weeks, I guess it is, is the game plan. We're going to look here, Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be in verse 57. Start there. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Jesus said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Can we pray over this text today? Lord God, we thank you. We acknowledge your presence here amongst your people. Thank you that you know us. You know our name. You also know our situations. And thankfully, you don't look at us when our situations don't always meet your expectations. You don't look at us in shame. You look at us in love. And you always call us by our name because you have a purpose. You have a life for us. You call it a life with abundance. Today, Lord, as we open your word, let us get what we need to get for our own selves. Let our church as a whole get what we need to get together so that we can continue to be a light in this city, so that we can continue to be a beacon of hope to other people. Lord, I pray you honor your word now as I begin to speak it and preach it. And God, let your kingdom be big inside of all of us. May we grow to appreciate, grow to love, grow to want more of your kingdom in our lives. We thank you now in Jesus' name. You can say amen. For whoever this is for, the Lord echoed in my heart this morning, whispered into my mind the words, it will be okay. It will be okay. It will be okay whoever that's for. In my first message here on March the 2nd, 2014, just over four and a half years ago, I'm sure all of you remember it well. I didn't have to go back and look at my notes for that. I made an opening statement, very first Sunday here. I said these words, in September of 2013, I taught a series titled, Sailing into a New Season. It was based on the Apostle Paul's life at the end of the book of Acts, nearing the end of his ministry and the end of his life, and it was paralleling his journey to ours. Did I say that right? I didn't even, I just, paralleling. 
Nailed it. <laughs> we set sail to enter a new season. We encountered a few storms and some setbacks along the way, but nonetheless, we have arrived onto a new shore. This shore, this is the shore that we will be at for a while, I stated, where we will encounter God together. Our young children and teenagers will encounter God. We'll all meet some new friends, and together we will explore our new future together. And I know to some this is an unfamiliar shoreline, and perhaps... Even to others, it's not the shore you expected. However, it is the shore that our church has docked at because we believe it to be the shore that God, our captain, has navigated us to. Now that we made it to this new shore, the first order of business is to burn the ships. And I went on and preached a message that was titled, Burn the Ships. But today... I've been reflecting, and today I want to preach a message in this series, Kingdom Mindsets, called Don't Look Back. Don't Look Back. We are in the shadow of a 20-year vision cast that we gave over the last couple of weeks. We, we titled that Out of the Ashes and Into the Harvest. We focused are, are focusing in on three pr- primary Areas and that is one was to we're focusing on to straighten and strengthen the pathways of discipleship in our church. Another area that we're focusing on is to define and develop leadership and leadership teams within our church and out of our church. And the third area we're focusing on is to expand our relationship of our church into the into the world so that we can continue to reach the lost uh, through church planting and. So we, we cast that, and we're talking about that. We're just in the shadows of that going out. Just like in anything with God, if we want to achieve and accomplish His will and His purpose, then we have to have the right kind of mindset in our life. And the particular kind of mindset that God's interested in His people having is that of a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset. Can you say that? Kingdom mindset. You know, there's some things that Jesus said in, his, in the Bible that, that seem to be so full of compassion. While also there's some other things he said that seem to be so full of conviction. Kind of like, how do you say it, Jesus? I kind of wonder if, if he were literally, if this were the time he showed up instead of then and the things he said, would we really actually listen? Would we accept it? And... I think his goal, really, in, 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 his, in his compassion and in his conviction is, so that is to help our lives move forward. To help our lives move forward uh, in order to, for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus summed that up and said, this is the greatest commandment. He was asked this on occasion, what's the greatest commandment? And it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. And he said, the greatest commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the, in fact, this, this commandment, this greatest commandment, is the commandment where all the Old Testament laws and the demands of the prophets hinge on. 
they hinge on this right here. Because if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first, virtually the first half deal with relationship with God. The second half virtually deal with the relationship with people. So Jesus is saying, I bring it all together, and you love the Lord your God with everything, and you love people the same way that you would love yourself and treat people that way. And he said, in essence, you're fulfilling the law. But I'm the one who creates it. I'm the one who puts it in motion in your life. And I'm the one who helps you fulfill it. And so as we live to surrender to these commandments, the commandments of God, the word of God, the ways of God, then the kingdom of God then becomes active in our life. The the kingdom of God is the activity of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life. And the idea of God's kingdom, as, as, as lots of different things today have echoed the, the, the centrality of this message today through worship and praise, through, through exhortations, uh, through Lindsay, Max, and others, through, through prayers this morning have really kind of set the tone for this. And the kingdom of God is in us. The kingdom of God works inside of us. The kingdom of God brings change and transformation from the inside out. Can you say that? Inside out. Look at this, and you can follow on the screen. It's the prophet Ezekiel. He says this right here in 36, 26. He says, I would, he's, he's referencing the Lord drawing Israel back to, the, to him, bringing Israel, his people, back to him. They were wayward, they were far off, they had disobeyed, they were creating a life of their own, etc., etc. And he was calling them back and he said, this is what I really want to do with you. And that is this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Look at the New Testament translation of this in Paul's letter to the, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. Paul said, clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but... With the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. So the kingdom of God, God's work and activity in a person's life is intended to happen from the inside out. But I think the mistake a lot of people make, especially if we're full of religion, is we tend to focus on the outside in. Right? I mean, I think this statement would be true, uh, be accurate, that a lot of people focus on, on the external more than they do the internal, right? We can all be guilty of that in some manner, some fashion. So the kingdom of God works in us to produce a mindset, a, a mindset that, that is uh, biblical, a mindset that is heavenly, a mindset that is kingdom, the way we think, the way we view life, the way we perceive things. One of those areas is the areas of our direct personal relationship with Jesus. Though it is a very private, personal matter of the heart, it's also a visible thing because it is seen in the way a person lives. It's seen in the way a person walks out this life. You know, where we're going, who we're with, what we're doing, how and who we're connected with along the way of life. It says a whole lot about a person. And so this story here, Luke chapter 9, Jesus is zeroing in on something. He's drilling down on, on something, and he, he's, I think one of the things that he's showing us and wants us to get is, is how our personal re- view of following 
Jesus can be tested by the standard of God. The Bible says in different ways, in different passages, that God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than ours, right? And because of that, then there, there are things that you and I will see and go through and, and experience and, 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 and be a part of that we don't always see it the way God sees it. Doesn't mean that we're, we're you know, we got, you know, forever problems. It just means we haven't gotten, and we haven't risen to the, to the spot of maturity in the Lord to be able to see things and to understand things the way God actually sees and understands things. He is perfect in his ways. He is perfect in his wisdom. He is perfect in all of those things. Uh, and he has given us his word to, to begin to understand and read it and begin to get comprehension and revelation and understanding so that we can arise to see see life his way because the way he views life is so much better than the way we view life many times and and again situations in life and so Luke 9 he there's this little there's this uh, few conversations going on that Jesus and his disciples are on a walk they're on this journey and these people come up to him and tell him oh man I want to be a part of what you're doing Oh, I want to be involved in that. Look at those guys that, man, they get to witness all those miracles. Those few get to see everything going on and, and, and all of these things. Lord, I, I, I want to be a part of what, of what you're doing. And, you know, last week, uh, a majority of those of you who were here stood for, for a call of commitment to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of the harvest. I want to be a part of reaping the harvest. You can count on me, Lord. And here's the thing. Anytime you and I make a commitment to God, it will always be tested. All right? Don't think for a moment that a commitment you make to God won't be tested. It will be tested in different ways. It will be tested. And, and the kingdom of God, it, it has a way of testing us. It has a way of testing our sincerity. God has a way of testing our, our commitments. He has a way of testing a lot of things about us. And this particular story here, uh, I, I want, it, it, just, it shows three areas of how the kingdom mindset tests our life. We're going to look at those three in the last few minutes that we have together today, okay? Everybody good? So the first area that this story shows that the kingdom of God, the kingdom mindset, it tests, it tests our comfortability. It tests our comfortability. Verse 57 and 58, it's they were walking, someone came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you. But he said, hey, foxes have dens, birds of the air have some nests, but I, the son of man, I don't have anywhere to lay down. I don't have anywhere to lay my head down at night. In other words, there are things uh, sometimes that God will ask us to do. There will be places he will ask us to go. There will be people he will ask us to engage in that will not always be comfortable to us, right? Not every day, but sometimes. There will be times, and there will be things that God puts uh, on our calendar that we didn't put there. There will be things he puts on our agendas that we didn't schedule it for. There will be places he will call us to go. And I don't mean like you have to go like across the world. I'm talking about just, just down the street maybe. Maybe next door. Maybe from one cubicle to the next. Maybe from one end of the warehouse to the other end of the warehouse. I don't know. But there are things God will ask us to do that are not always comfortable to us. And his kingdom mindset, having a kingdom mindset, it will test our level of comfort all the time. Our comfort levels will be tested. And I think there is, particularly it tests us in our area of praying. 
Because it ain't always comfortable to stop and pray, is it? It's easy to stop and complain. If I had a mirror, it would be right here in front of y'all and I'd be preaching right to myself. It also can test us in the comfort of giving. It's not always comfortable to give. It also tests us in the area of comfort of serving and serving other people. It's not always comfortable. And Jesus often preached this message. It was, it, you can really capture it in Matthew 6 and 5, 6, 7, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. That was, a, that was not just a one-time sermon. That was a sermon scholars believe he traveled around preaching all the time. Matthew just captured it consecutively in that way. Uh, but he, he hammered and taught on, hey, praying, giving, and serving. Why? Because those are products of God's kingdom. And are products of his kingdom, they must be products of God's people. Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is not about a location, but it's about working in a person's life. The kingdom of God is within you. Because you see, we live in a day in an age of modern comforts, right? I mean, let's just face it. Let's just, let's just, if we're going to get honest, let's just get honest that most of the time we prefer comfort. Uh, if not, then I don't, I don't know, we, something's probably wrong with us. But yeah, we like comfortability. We live in an age of modern comforts. But the problem with that is this. It, it, it can easily produce spiritual apathy. What would happen if you showed up to church and there were no chairs? Would you stay? I'm not thinking about trying something, okay? It's not a trick question. If I say, if I say uh, yes, then man, he's going to not have chairs here next week. <laughs> I like chairs. I believe in chairs. I think a good person, I don't know who invented chairs, but they did a good thing. But think about that. Because there are people right now at somewhere on this planet who are gathered together in a, in a form of a church body to worship God, to hear his word, to pray and encourage one another, and they don't have a chair to sit in. Think about that. We, have, we live in an age of modern comforts, and obviously we prefer those above all other things. But the problem with that is it has a way of producing spiritual apathy. That if it's not comfortable when I get to a place, then I'm probably not going to really check in and check it and be a part of it. I'm going to zip in and zip out, or whatever it is. I'm not going to engage, right? And the thing with modern comforts producing spiritual apathy is that can also pr produce an immunity to the needs of people around us, especially to the household of faith. And the household of faith is the primary number one responsibility of people of faith. We should always make sure we take care of each other of our own first. doesn't mean we, we don't do anything for anyone else. It just means a family should take care of its own family. Amen? As best as we can. And, and so if we're not careful and we get so adjusted to needing comfort that it can produce a spiritual apathy in us in a way that will produce an immunity to seeing needs of other people. Because if my life is not always comfortable, I'm probably going to miss out on someone else's discomfort. Because I'm always focused on trying to make sure my life is always comfortable. If serving the Lord was about comfort, then this world would be a whole, totally different place. But it's not always about comfort. Having a kingdom mindset, it tests our comfortability. Here's a second thing. Well, let me ask these questions first. I think I should ask these questions. And that is this. Will we stop to pray for others when we don't want to? 
will we give when we really want to hold on to what we have? And will we serve when we don't really feel like it? Those are some questions we need to ask ourselves because those are questions that test our sincerity looking at our comfortability. Amen? Oh, I didn't expect to get but like two amens, so that's cool. I got, I got like three, so that's, that's even better. Second thing is this. The kingdom mindset tests our conveniences. Dang it. You already hit comfort. Now you're going to go on to convenience. They call them convenience stores for a reason. It's convenient. They're also overpriced, aren't they? If you work at one, no, no, no harm, no foul. They are. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed. But he said, Lord, let me first go home. Bury my father, and Jesus said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. This is one of those responses where Jesus lacks compassion, it sounds like, right? He says, your duty is to go preach about the kingdom of God. Our convenience is sometimes the Lord's request come at the most inconvenient times. Absolutely nothing wrong with this man wanting to go home and give his father a proper burial. Nothing wrong with that. Here's the thing, the deeper issue here. Jesus knows what the deeper issue is always in our heart. It wasn't the fact that he needed and wanted to go home and give his father a proper burial. It is this, the deeper issue is how often does the Lord call on us to step into and step up to some things for him, yet we seem to always have a reason on why we can't. Right? Because if we only argue the side of compassion... We'll always miss the side of conviction. That's why Jesus is the delicate balance of justice with compassion and conviction. Because he knew exactly what this man was going to do. He was going to go home and never show up. But we are the king and the queen of our excuses, right? Because we think we know our hearts better than God knows our hearts. And we think, I'll just go home, take care of this, and then I'll catch up with you on mile marker 82. Well, you won't with this interstate construction. (laughs) And so... The kingdom mindset always tests our conveniences because we think we know everything. And the third thing where I really need to get to is this. Is the kingdom mindset, not only does it test our comfortability, it tests our conveniences, but it tests our commitments. Test our commitments. Verse 61, 62, another person said, Lord, you know what? I will follow you, but first, I got to go say, see ya to my family. I got to go say goodbye. And Jesus told him here, he said, hey, anybody, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. How devoted are we to serving the Lord and to fulfilling and to And how devoted are we to fulfilling his purpose for our life? 
the question we should ask ourselves. But know this, that that commitment will always be tested. There is something that will test commitments. One, the enemy doesn't want anybody to commit to the Lord for anything. Obviously, the devil, boom, shouldn't be a surprise that the enemy does not want anybody to commit to the Lord for anything. But our flesh also struggles with commitment levels. Our flesh struggles. God has no problem with calling a person to commit. Calls us, he's been calling us to commit for a long time. The enemy's against it. Our flesh can go either way. That's why you and I have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce in us a kingdom mindset. Because sometimes our flesh, we just let it do whatever it wants to do. Because it's comfortable and because it's convenient. Right? And nobody said anything there. People who have been used by God have been tempted on dwelling on looking back. And that's an area that I think is one of the biggest issues that test our commitments is the calling of our past. The calling of our past. It likes to call. Even we changed our number. It has a way of finding our number. You ever get a random text for somebody from a phone number that that person's not in your phone book in your phone and they send you a text and you're like, who dis? <laughs> or maybe you play dumb and you know it's mom and you're like, who dis? <laughs> it's amazing. Our past can do that to us. Our past has a way of looking us up and stalking us on Facebook and trying to be our friend on Snapchat. And Instagram, and anybody were 50s, like, you lost me. <laughs> Unless you're just playing. Don't be a player, okay? But that's what our past does it calls us, it haunts us. And I want to look at two things here about our past. First one is this the past problems, our past failures, and our regrets. I haven't met a person yet in my short 42, almost 43 years of life that haven't had to deal with the past. Past failures, past problems, past regrets. But also there's the past of comparison. We, we like to look back and compare how things used to be with how things are. And that doesn't always do us very good. That has a way of stirring up some tension, some strife, some frustration, maybe even pulling out some bitterness there that we didn't think was there any longer, or whatever it might be. There's nothing wrong with looking back to reflect, to remember, and to be reminded of where you used to be, where you came from, what God did then, all of the wonderful things, all of that's, that's not what the Lord's getting at here, but what he's getting at is anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, is focused on what used to be and how you used to be and all of the failures and all the shortcomings and all the frailties of your life, etc., etc., etc. And all you do is dwell on that. He said, you will not. You will not be able to move forward with what I have for you. 
And if the enemy, the devil, can get us to do that, and then if we will allow our flesh to live in that past, then guess what? We'll never achieve and accomplish God's purpose for our life. And that is not what God wants for any person. That is not what he wants for any of us. So the kingdom mindset, it always tests our commitment. You know, the first generation Israel under Moses' leadership, they complained a whole lot. They were out of Egypt pursuing the promised land, but they were complaining about everything. And as a result, they died in their complaints. Moses did not even cross over to the promised land. The the people of Israel so frustrated Moses that instead of speaking to the rock for water to flow, he took his staff and struck it, and it was not in the right way. God saw it, and God said, nope, sorry, you can't do it. You're not going across. God, I don't want to be a Moses. God, we don't want to be an Israel who died in the wilderness because all we did was complain. They complained because they compared what God was presently doing in their life to what the way life used to be in the past under Egypt. The enemy had so deceived him thinking they had it better in bondage than they do in pursuing freedom. And if we're not careful, you and I can be on our journey to freedom but yet get lost in it because we fail to realize the goodness of God right where we are. They didn't like manna. They didn't like quail. They were thirsty. Water comes from a rock. That doesn't just happen. But look at the miraculous ways God was showing up for them. A cloud over them by day, a fire by night. I mean, that doesn't happen. How many more signs does God have to use? Take your staff, Moses. All you got to do is stretch it out over the Red Sea. And look, the Red Sea will part. You will walk not on dirty, muddy ground, but dry ground. You will look back and you'll see the enemy crushed. That was the first huge moment of them being able to look back and thank God, I'm not where I used to be. But instead, they took steps with complaint. And they died. Elisha, he was the second prophet to Elijah. Elijah mentored him. Elisha was, his, was Elijah's assistant. And when God called Elisha, he called Elijah to go and find Elisha and tell him, hey, your ticket has been punched. Your time has come. Follow me because you're the next one to lead. And here's the thing with Elisha. He was a very profitable farmer. He had a very profitable farm. He had lots of oxen, huge fields, lots of produce, lots of harvest, lots of income. And Elisha told Elijah, you know, I, I, I want to, but I, I've got to do this thing. I've got to let everybody know I'm leaving. And Elisha, Elijah said, don't forget what I called you to. So Elisha did what he said. He went home, told his family, took all of his oxen, gathered them up. First he took his plows and he set them on fire. Then he took his oxen, he killed them, and then he barbecued them. And then he took all the barbecue from the oxen and he fed the townspeople. And then he left and he went and found Elijah. Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Elisha's reach was twice as far as Elijah's reach. Elisha's accomplishments were twice as many as Elijah's accomplishments. 
Why do you think that was? I think it had to do with his level of commitment to the Lord. He was willing to completely annihilate and destroy any means possible to go back home and be a farmer instead of a prophet. Commitment is shown in the price you and I are willing to pay. What kind of price are you willing to pay to live up to your commitments to God? What kind of price are you willing to pay to live up to your commitment to your family to show them Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life? What kind of commitment are you willing to make that when times get tough, you still give? What kind of commitment are you willing to make when everything's pressing against you, as we heard this morning, that you will stop and you will pray? What kind of commitment will you make when you don't feel like it, yet you still go through with your commitments? See, God's kingdom is not made of a bunch of sissies. There's some worldly terms there I'll refrain from using because I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to be righteous. But just don't, I have my bad days too, okay? But God's kingdom is not made up of people who go back on their word. Right? God's kingdom is made up of people who follow through with commitment. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't want to. Because here's the deal. If you and I are going to fulfill the purpose of God on our life, we have to be willing to press through our comfortability and our conveniences and have to give ourselves wholly and totally to the commitments that we make before God. And it's not just about us overextending ourselves to the Lord. The Lord knows when, we're, when we do that. When we overextend ourselves, when we pile our plates too high and put too many things on there, wear too many hats, and he's like, you know, that, I, you're doing that to yourself. I didn't call you to do a lot of those things that you're doing. You need to get back to and just clean your plate and let me put back the right things on it and start over. Those are the commitments I know you can honor. Those are the commitments I know you can make. It's not about running ourselves ragged. It's not about showing up to every event. It's not about doing every single thing all the time for everybody else. It's not trying to out, out give, out serve, out pray, out last, out worship, out praise, or anybody. It's not for that. It's about an honest sincerity from the heart. What can you realistically do that will be an honor to God? Because you don't have to compare what yourself to what someone else does. That, that Jesus doesn't say that. Don't, don't start getting comparing in the comparison game of so-and-so, man. Look at them. Look how they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look how much they're all of you know, Guess what? If you try to keep up with so-and-so, you will not keep up with God's will and purpose for you. All right? So just, those are just some that's freebies. I didn't intend to say all that. Holy Spirit did. So the question is this. What, what do we keep looking back to? Come on, what, what, what do we keep looking back to? If it's our past, in the sense of our, our, our problems, our failures, the regrets, we need to understand this, that there is forgiveness in Christ and there is freedom in Christ. You're, you don't have to be bound by your past failures. You don't have to be bound by, your, by past shortcomings. You don't have to be bound by anything you used to be. 
No, there is freedom in Jesus. Jesus preached it in in Luke chapter 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to come and to heal, to come and to set free, to come and declare that there's a new day in me. You don't have to be bound by all the things of your past. You don't have to let your past determine your future. You don't have to allow your past to dictate your destiny. You need to allow Jesus to free you, to liberate you, to break the chains, to set you free, to be your strength when you are weak. Let Jesus rise up in you. Let Jesus do that. He's the Savior of the world. You're not. I'm not. No preacher is. No missionary is. No deacon is. No elder is. No apostle is. Jesus is. Let Jesus be your cornerstone because Jesus is the rock of ages. When you are overwhelmed, the, the psalmist says, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So let Jesus forgive. And when he forgives, man, he has a way. His blood makes you white as snow. There is not a sin. There is not a secret. There is not a setback that Jesus is ashamed of in a person. He died on the cross. He bloodied himself with 39 and a half lashes. He he allowed the nine inch nails to be driven into his palms and into his legs. He allowed the crown of thorns to be pushed down, forced down onto his brow. He himself endured the side splitting spear that caused water and blood to gush out. He went to the dark grave called hell to so that you and I could rise up and be free. Let Jesus free you. Let Jesus liberate you. Let Jesus be the one that you call on every hour of every day for the rest of your life. Because Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have people that backstab you. People that talk about you. People that that do things that aren't right to you. But Jesus is always faithful. Jesus, let Christ forgive you and let Christ redeem you and free you. Quit trying to make your freedom happen on your own and quit trying to make your forgiveness happen on your own because he didn't call you to go to the cross. He didn't call you to go to the grave. He didn't call you to go to hell. He called you to life. He called you to life. He called you to life. What do you keep looking back to? If it's your past comparisons, man, church then is that. Look at us now. We're in a gym. I know, right? We used to own, well, we didn't own, the bank owned, 29,000 square foot facility on a 29 acres. Yeah, I know, and it was a legitimate place. You helped build, you sacrificed. Many of you gave a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of sweat equity to make that happen. I get it. It's not where we used to be. But let's not focus on where we are and compare it to where we were. Let's forge ahead in faith and believe God for new things, believe God for new horizon. Many years ago, just over five years ago, there was a lady in our church who has been here longer than I have who came up to me with a little note on a piece of paper that said, New, uh, at the time our church was FWC, we'll rise from the ashes. 
I have never forgotten that little piece of paper and the statement that was written on that. And just a couple of weeks ago, the title of the message for this vision series was called Out of the Ashes. To go into the harvest. Because church, I get it, I'm not all about big buildings, nice accolades, and the facades, and all of that junk. Okay, that's fine, I love it, I'll, pr- I'll welcome it, it's, com- it's comfortable, right, to have all of the nice things. I get it, don't, don't, don't knock me on there, I love it, I'll welcome it. Somebody give it to me, yeah, absolutely, I'll take it. <sighs> Somebody give me a brand new car, you don't believe it, I'll drive it in a heartbeat. Right? But here's the thing. Let's focus on what lies ahead. Isaiah 43. Brandon's already stolen the thunder. He read my notes. No, I'm teasing. That's good. It's the way God confirms things. Amen? But out of the message. You guys got just a minute? All right. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. What? Who carves a path through pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and then they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. That's pretty big. But God says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you. The coyotes and the buzzards. Because I provided water in the desert. Rivers through the sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially mm, for myself, a people custom made to praise me. There was something that was said and sung earlier, God, you know my name. New Life Church, God knows our name. He gave us this name, but also New Life Church. God knows your name. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. God knows your name. So why do we keep looking back? What keeps you constantly looking back? Let's forge ahead in faith. I urge you. God urges us have something new for you it's in front of you and as good as some things were behind you those are just some good memories well earned satisfying memories that you hold dear and you always praise me because of what I did but now I'm wanting you to praise me for what I will do in your life Can you stand and bow our heads? I'd like to pray for you as we get ready to end today. Let's pray. 
gracious God. We're not here by accident. We're not here in this place by accident. You led us here as a church, but you also led us here today for this moment to be reminded and to hear you know us. You have us. You keep us. And you lead us. For you are the Lord my shepherd. What shall I want? Nothing. Because you make the path clear and you lead us. And you bring restoration. You bring healing. You bring salvation. You bring forgiveness. You bring all the things our soul longs for. So Lord, help us today, wherever we're at, help us to not dwell on looking back. No, create this mindset, that this kingdom of God mindset that we will look ahead. We will look forward. We will be in faith for what lies in front of us. We will forge ahead in faith because God, you tell us in your word, you make a way where there really seems to be no way. And we might ask ourselves, how in the world can God do that? Only you know. Only you know. So Lord, give us the right frame of mind. A mind that is kingdom oriented, kingdom built. That will pass the test of comfort. That will pass the test of conveniences. And Lord, that will stand the test of our commitments. Honor that today in us, and may we honor it before you and how we live. We give you ourself today because we want to love you, the Lord our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want to love people in the same way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If that's for you, can say amen, amen. and amen.